back to him, like that forging that we were talking about. Now in the next chapter, first few verses set it up for us again. Um, it says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. So three years have passed at this point. Like I said, all of this is going to serve to teach about the power of God. Um, over those three things is the first two lessons to go through. However, maybe I'm out of order here, but I think I've got that there somewhere. Um, unless I'm forgetting something, which is entirely possible. I, I told Nicole today, the way my brain's working, if the light bulb is the um, complete thought, my brain's like Tom Hanks cast away, still trying to figure out how to rub the sticks together. Um, it's just not coming. But either way, there's this idea here that God's going to show off who he is. Um, and this whole thing is going to set up who the real God is versus who they followed this whole time. And it's showing that power over him. So for three years, no rain, no moisture, nothing. Think about what that does to a nation. Very quickly, it's going to make sure there's no crops, food's going to run short, all the rivers and drinking wells and all that's going to start to dry up. So you have to travel farther to find the water. It's going to become one of the most important things you have, one of the most valuable commodities that this, uh, you know, this nation will have is the water. This will completely bring their economy to a standstill, their way of life to a standstill. God's got a hold of them. And until he's ready to show up, they're stuck. Uh, let's keep going here. Um, we're in chapter 18 at this point. We skip down to verse 18. Or verse 17, sorry. When he, that's Ahab, saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. So there's this back and forth real quick. As soon as he shows up, Ahab's pointing the finger. This whole drought's your fault. You're the one that said it. You think after three years, he'd figure out, no, we've upset God. But it never clicks. He points to him. And Elijah's right back at him. No, this is not on me. This is on you. This is on your family. This is on all the things you've led in. <coughs> you abandoned God's commands. You followed Baal. Now you're in trouble. So he's going to make this challenge to him. He says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Now at this point, Mount Carmel 
could be several days walk for them. Start, you know, kind of getting that mental picture of what all is going to be involved in this, and the fact that the king even went along with what he had in mind. So if you've got several days journey to go, what's the one thing you're going to have to carry with you into the desert? Your water. Okay, it's going to be important. You're going to want to bring enough. Keep that in mind as we move forward. But he puts it in front of the people saying, you're going to have to make a choice between the God who actually came and met your ancestors and raised you up as a nation or these new guys that are supposedly in charge of the reign you're not seeing. But the people said nothing. I don't think there's much they could say to that. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. It's just me. 450 of you guys. Let's prove this. Let's, let's do this. He says, get two bowls for us. Let's let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal answers, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. And what happens next? It's one of those places where I really relate with Elijah. And I think I would have started to act this way too. Um, because I'm a sarcastic person. And he gets sarcastic with them. It says, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder. He said, surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Or busy, or traveling. I have to point out, and I always point this out in this story here. The it's a phrase. Traveling is one of those phrases that doesn't actually translate very well from the Hebrew. It was more implying that he was making his journey down the road, and he had to stop to the side for the restroom. That's a pretty sarcastic and embarrassing comment to say, maybe your God's just too busy because he had to go to the bathroom. It says, maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder, and this is where it gets a little bit weird for their worship, but this was just part of their culture, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophecying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. All that for nothing. 450 of these guys cutting themselves, shouting, dancing around, trying their best. But the same God that couldn't give them rain can't give them fire. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. If I can get to the stage here, folks, if you will. 
says Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word, word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. I'm going to stop right there for a second. And really kind of dig down on why those stones are so important and why this is what stood out to me of this whole story. Those 12 stones symbolize a bunch of things. Like I said, the nation at this point is divided in two. Um, there was a point, and I'm hoping I got this in order here, maybe not, but there was a point um, on the map when he's saying, look, there were 12 stones. He's teaching them. He's trying to get them to remember who they were. He's, there were just these rocks. He's pointing out. There was a time when there was 12 tribes, and you all got along fine. You made this one cohesive offering to the Lord. But now, the next map, they split. Israel and Judah, they're not always getting along. They're not going the right way. The altar's falling apart. It says Elijah rebuilt it in front of them. I believe that before he ever gets to the point with the fire, and before he ever gets to letting God prove himself, he takes this time to teach them this lesson. To remind them of who they once were. He's kind of teaching them this lesson of Moses has led them out. He's led them through the desert. He's passed away. Joshua's ready to take the people into the promised land. And they cross the Jordan River. Starting in the first verse, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, 
from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you should stay the night. So the whole nation of Israel, they've been passing through the Jordan River. God says, before you finish, send 12 strong men, one from each nation. Have them get a rock, put it on their shoulder, and carry it out with you. I tell you, if you have to put a rock on your shoulder, pretty heavy. Um, probably bigger than these, because I'm not a very big guy, let's be honest. Um, but I did have to tell Nicole and a few other people the other day, I now see why Joshua had the other guys go and do it. Because when I went to get these out of the river and it was frozen, this was not a fun trip. Some of these, they don't look that big, but they're heavy. So, yeah, I see why. But they got them out there. And so Joshua called uh, together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Now, in this story, it's about them coming across the Jordan. It's that opportunity to look back and say, here's everything from your past. And this verse ends with, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the first thing they did as a nation, when they came into the promised land, they got those 12 stones, they put them together as this altar. Basically so that years down the line, as generations moved on, and the people who had witnessed everything started to pass away, and the kids start coming up saying, what's with the rocks? You have that opportunity to look back and say, this points back to God. This moment, this monument points back to our history with God. It's all the things he did for us in the past. It's how he took this family of 12 brothers and he made us into a nation. He brought us through the troubles we were in. He brought us through the river. He brought us into the new land. That's what those are for. That's what's with the rocks. So think now back to Elijah and how much significant his little lesson before he ever prays to God for the fire. How much of a lesson he's teaching Israel right there in front of them. Not only is he putting them all back together, reminding them that they're family. He's pointing back to the history. Pointing back, saying, remember everything God did before. Remind yourselves. And teach your kids. This is what it was all about. Whatever it takes to remember, brother, you know, if we have to put a big pile of rocks somewhere in the earth so that we look and say, yeah, that's when God did that. That's when God did that. He brought me through that. So that we remember that's what it's about. That's one of the lessons Elijah's teaching him. And he does it without even saying a word. He just says, he took the 12 stones 
that he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he starts, he digs a trench around it. Large enough to hold two sayas of seed. I'm going to say that's like 24 pounds worth of seed. So it's a big trench, right? And arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Again, three days out through the desert, the most valuable commodity you've had this whole time. And he's just laughing, saying, hey, pour it out. Four big old jars of it. Just go ahead and pour it out. It already sounds crazy. Some of them got to be thinking, I don't have that water. I may not make it back to They see what he's thought of so far. So they go with it. What he's on? Do it again. Like, you know, Elijah, you're supposed to be proven. Don't care about actually burning this. You know that water, this isn't, that's not how this works. And he says, do it a third time. Till the water ran down the altar, meaning fill the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Again, speaking in that way, it points back to his history. And you got to think, if he's expecting God to show up in the way he does, he's going to be backing away from this thing too. Because it's about to get really He says, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the tree. I don't know the science of how hot the fire has to be to burn those rocks, but I'd say pretty hot. I thought about the pillars of fire that led Moses and how it would have had to have looked something like that with fire coming from heaven, not just lighting it. Even though that would have won the battle, that would have proved the point, that's what that's all they asked for. Light it. God goes above and beyond. But how above and beyond he goes, the water just pouring over, it's the same way he pours his blessings on us. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is is God. That right there, that's the main lesson of, that he wanted to teach them that day. Oh yeah, he's teaching me things and reminding me through the stones of how important they are. 
Rabbi Newman stood up to me before that every time something just catches my attention about it. But the main lesson for them that day was the Lord has got it, not Baal. God's more powerful than all of those. And he showed up in this big way to remind his people of their history, remind them that they're supposed to be passing all these things down through the line. Father, thank you so much for all the things you continue to teach us and all the ways that you teach us. Through your word, through hearing your word, sometimes you teach it without having your people even say a word. It's just the image of a few rocks stacked up that are meant to point back to a whole history of you providing for your people, for you caring for your people, for you leading them to where they're supposed to be, for looking out for their future. God, just keep reminding us of all the ways you've been there for us in the past and that you haven't failed us. You're not going to fail us in the future. You're going to be there. You've got good things in store for us. Father, we just thank you so much.